Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another episode of Bear Bones. As always, I am Mason West, joined by my co-host, Danny Meehan. Danny, how are you? Hi. Doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm very good. How about you? How about yourself? I'm not going to lie. I'm tired. I'm 100% tired. Uh, I'll say. This week's been a thing. I'm excited for the weekend. But, so, oh, I couple, don't blame you. A couple quick hitters. We're just going to get out of the way here. Um, we have the... Bears, uh, they signed Jared Pinkney. Uh, they cut Thyrick Pitts, who was claimed by the Patriots. And they also signed a defensive lineman, most likely one tech, Bravion Roy, off of waivers from the Panthers. And in doing so, cut Donovan Jeter. That's pretty much it. That's some of the, the main news. That's I just don't know how you could ever cut one Donovan Jeter. I don't know how. I mean, to be honest, the weird thing is he actually had – he was running with the twos and occasionally the ones at times in camp. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, bye. So – just goes to show you can only do so much and take so much in consideration when you're looking at training camp time. Oh yeah. It's, I just love the, it's one of those things when, when fans latch onto these players, you're like some of the guy, it's like, that's the guy you're willing to fuss about. Yeah, exactly. And this will happen again. Once they go down to, you know, cutting people into the final 53, you're going to freak out because insert player's name here is not on the team. And then it turns out they don't get claimed by anybody and they're on the practice squad and it, it happens every year, but uh, it just is. It's a cycle of circle of life when it comes to the NFL. And also for the Lion King. Also sad note, the guy who played Simba in the Broadway of Lion King, he died yesterday. Oh, pain. Yeah, leave, it really... to the, leave it to the Disney nerd to know that. I mean, of course it's, I have the notifications just ready to go. But yeah, super bummed. Love that. Love that performance. Uh, Lion King is my favorite Disney movie. I mean, I got Simba tattooed right here. Yada yada yada. But yeah, real bummer. So you know, shout out to shout out to him. Uh, but that's not what we're here for. We are here to catch up on things that have been going on in Bears Nation. And to do so, I am 
super excited to bring on uh, Nicholas Moriano of CHGO, formerly Chicago Audible, former Bear Bros, former probably another name I don't really honestly remember. Uh, but Nick, how are you doing, man? Good, you guys. I heard you talking about, uh, you know, players that we're going to forget about. I have in like my notes here. And for some reason, I made my notebook. Aaron Crookshake won his rep against McCon Clark. Tyson Bajant was the quarterback on the rep. The most anonymous players that you could possibly think of. But they somehow made it in in the notebook for uh, it, you know yesterday's you, practice. You put some respect on Tyson Bajan's name. His dad's like an all time arm wrestler Dude, for people yeah. who care. Like yeah, I don't know why we care, but we we should care. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's uh. Well, look the way that PJ Walker's been playing the last few days. I don't know if uh, there's a if uh, Tyson Bajan can enter his <laughs> name into the conversation. But uh, yeah, he's a uh, you know Shepherd's all time leading. Quarterback and broke all the stats there, but we're not here to talk about the Tyson Bajans, the Aaron Crookshanks, or apparently there is a player named Con Clark on the roster. So found that out on on Wednesday. I genuinely don't believe you. That's a Madden creative player. <laughs> <laughs> I got the, I got the latest roster here, number twenty five on the defense. Tristan Abner is also number twenty five, but he is five eleven two oh three from Tulane. In fact, a real guys. person somehow. But uh, I know we don't have you for a long time, Nick, so we got to get all the info we can out of you. Uh, pads have been on for the last few practices, which normally adds an infusion of energy to camp. How is, have you felt this? Absolutely, especially yesterday, you guys. We were on the sideline with the offense, and uh, if you guys like looked at the reports for people who looked at it, like it, was a, it wasn't a very good day for the offense, but you could hear literally everything the defense was saying, especially like Eddie Jackson – he literally said to Valus Jones Jr. and probably the entire offense, y'all soft because Valus pulled up on a, a route over the middle of the field. P.J. Walker wasn't the most accurate throw, but Valus probably could have attempted to catch it. He didn't. And then there was like a skirmish going on in the middle of the field. You can hear Eddie Jackson jawing at, you know, the, the offensive players. The one vocal guy on offense, though, that actually showed some, I guess, fire in Wednesday's practice was uh, Chase Claypool. He laid out TJ Edwards, you guys, on a crackback block. He was in the slot, came over, hit Edwards, flexed with both of his arms, and said, go to sleep. And it was, uh, like, you see that from Chase Claypool and, like, the fire, the energy he brings, and you like to see that. And then you made a couple of plays in that practice, but it's definitely intensifying just, you know, these guys are, they've been hitting each other now, what, this is seven practices in, and you know, it's only going to ramp up from here, but it was definitely amping up, especially yesterday where the defense was doing most of the talking on Wednesday's practice. That's that's always exciting, and I, I, I kind of liked it because from my perspective, everyone always wants to hear how good the offense is doing, especially because of the progression of fields. We tend to get into this headspace as fans, analysts, fanalysts, whatever you want to – term these people obviously nick this is your livelihood i'm just a guy that does this on the side um but we we tend to forget that defenses get paid too defenders are fighting for their livelihood and and have contracts to go be good at their jobs i've always found this like funny when people are like analyzing other teams whether it be football baseball basketball like oh i can't believe so and so struck out his job is to get a hit yeah it's the pitcher's job to strike him out or get him out. It's the defense's job to make life hard. And wouldn't you like to hear that the defense is making life difficult on the offense instead of, oh, Justin Fields was 12 for 12 and 11 on 11 drills. Like that would make me really 
Like it would make you feel good about fields and the offense, but it would also be like, oh man, this is going to be a long year if you're letting up 40 every week. No, that I mean, it's a really good point because even Justin Fields kind of alluded that alluded to that in his press conference after Wednesday's practice. And he was asked like, how is it, how do you know the defense is making you better? Well, we're not going out and scoring every single drive. So we're obviously need to work on some things that are going to help us in turn to make the team overall better. But yeah, there's a lot of important guys on this defense that need to take a, a next step in, in, you know, this next season, second one with Eberflus and like Kyler Gordon right now, you guys, he looks like a guy that is just a lot more comfortable playing in the nickel. There was a sequence of plays. He intercepts Justin Fields. He jumps the out route to Valus Jones Jr. Two plays later, he gets a tackle for loss on Tristan Ebner. DJ Moore supposed to block him on the play, you guys. He beats Moore to the spot. And you're not supposed to bring guys down to the ground, but Gordon kind of just formed, formed tackle. It was enough force that Ebner went to the ground. And then the next play, he's throwing Robert Tanyan, who's bigger than him and throwing him off a nickel blitz and getting the sack on fields. But that's an important player that we need to see take another step as he enters year two, and he's going to be playing an important position at that nickel spot for the Bears defense. So I completely agree. We all know if you say something bad about fields, you're going to get everybody and their grandmother coming after you saying, you can't say blah, blah, blah. Well, it happened, and it's okay that fields can have an off day. The offense can have an off day. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Kyler Gordon, great. How is Tyreek Stevenson, Terrell Smith competition doing? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's back and forth, you guys. Um, and that's, that one's going to be interesting to watch. And I think to me, it's going to come down to who, one, who the coaching staff puts more trust in at this point, because you just look at just last practice. Like you have Terrell Smith, who was running with the first team, uh, the first team defense later portion of practice, Tyreek Stevenson gets his opportunities. He, uh, Stevenson got an interception off of a dropped or 
a ball went right through Robert Tanyan's hands. Stevenson was the right place, right time, gets the interception. But it might just be where, you know, who makes more impact plays and is not blowing their assignment to where the coaching staff just feels like they're they're going to go with whichever one of those guys is more consistent at their job. doesn't matter that they moved sure. up to go get Tyreek Stevenson or, or Terrell Smith, say, you know, a day three pick. It's like whoever is more consistent, that'll be the guy starting. But it's been an interesting competition to watch so far. Okay, so then I guess my question would be, has Terrell Smith run all at safety since those first couple days in camp or no? I know that – I think it was Adam Johns that, that said he did. I don't remember seeing him there, but the only time I've seen him, especially with the first team, has been at corner. But I think it was earlier on where maybe he might have, may have gotten like a few yeah, know, at safety. Yeah, it had to be the first, within the first two or three days of camp that he was doing that. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that as of late. It's been okay. exclusively at corner opposite of Jalen Johnson. Um, and you're not seeing anything with the, the second team unit. It's going to be Stevenson and Terrell Smith primarily running with the ones right now. Okay. I mean, it, it does make me happy with the Kyler thing, because even when I had him evaluated last year coming out of Washington, I never saw him as an outside corner. And to then thrust him into what like Indianapolis was doing with Kenny Moore, where he'd be like mm-hmm. outside on base and inside on sub packages, that's a lot to ask a rookie to learn, let alone a, a seasoned vet. Like, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I don't care how quote unquote vanilla your scheme may be, that's a lot of lot to put on someone's plate because they're two entirely different positions. Yeah, they're both cornerbacks, but they're not the same thing. Yeah, especially as the inside, you're working with a lot more space, right? So at least you have the boundary uh, to kind of help you out if you're playing on the outside. But you know, when they're going in base, Kyler Gordon is not out there. They'll, they'll run the two corners, Jalen Johnson, then whether it's Smith or Stevenson, then have their, you know, their base linebackers. But oh, so during base, they're not they're not even trying to kick him out there anymore. They're, they're not kicking him out, yeah. There there hasn't been – yeah, there hasn't been many reps where I've even seen him on the outside. And Kyler's talked about it. Like, he's he's open to it. Like, he, he would be open to playing outside if they put him out there, but – I think just what his skill set is and how he's able to affect the run game with his instincts, his quickness, he 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 looks like a nickel corner, and he's playing playing really well with um, just understanding what his key key assignments are right now. So I'm I'm looking forward to him just continuing that role, and if they have to put him out there due to a match or whatever, then I guess you do it. But yeah, he's been really repping primarily as that uh, nickel spot right now. That 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 just makes me happy here because I just don't think he's an outside corner. But and that's not there's nothing wrong with that to our listeners. There is nothing wrong with a nickel only corner. You can be a really good football player, make a lot of money in the NFL, and be a nickel only. Plenty of guys have done it. <laughs> and think about it, like we've seen Devontae Adams line up in the slot. The one last game they played in Green Bay was a night game. Jalen Johnson was playing really well against Devontae Adams. They put him in the slot, he starts going off. They'll put Cooper Cup in the slot. Like they their big time receivers are going in the slot to try to get those matchups. So you need to it's have matchup a, problems, right? Exactly. You need to have a good cornerback there to, you know, mitigate the just the damage that offenses can do when they're trying to find the the most advantageous uh, matchups there. How well, and just on a weird note because you mentioned him earlier, how has Robert Tanya looked? I think he's. I mean, he's looked good catching the football. He's he's being utilized in the middle of the field. The one spot in the offense on Wednesday's practice where, you know, the offense actually did, did some good things. It was a two man drill and Tanya, he was running with the twos. Uh, he's been primarily with the ones though, but 
he they kept exploding. And this is against the first team uh, Bears defense. They hit Robert Tanya and PJ Walker three times in a row, exploiting the blitz. They would send TJ Edwards at times. I think uh, it was Noah Sewell was out there because Jack Sanborn's uh, still injured, but they kept on hitting him in the middle of the field. But Tanya's uh he's a savvy route runner, and he honestly looks like a big wide receiver. He doesn't look like the big guy that was in Green Bay, but I guess he looked bigger in Green Bay for some reason, but he looks like a big wide receiver. And, you know, outside of the one pass that that went right through his hand and was intercepted, he's been pretty reliable catching the football too. Good. So moving from the secondary to the defensive line, one of the advantages of having pads now is that you can actually maybe start to see what some of these defensive linemen can do, right? Some of the new additions, you got Billings out there, you know, Javon Dexter, Zach Pickens, and then some of those, you know, we got Walker, who who was out with, with an injury, so you not as be able to see him as much. How has that D-line looked? And then transitioning, how has the offensive line looked? Yeah, so for the defensive line, we're starting to, uh, starting to get a better feel for them. Um, even for a guy like Andrew Billings in yesterday's practice, got – underneath Cody Whitehair's pads, was able to draw him back and draw a holding penalty. So we, we get to see the, the strength of an Andrew Billings, who's just built a lot different than all the other guys, built more horizontal than anything, but he's a space eater. And it was good to see his strength on that play. Trevon Dexter too, man. He's, he's one, we're starting to see that, that first step. And I think he's starting to get more acclimated to what this defense is asking him, as opposed to what Florida was asking him to do. There was a couple of reps where the first step was in his favor and that with his strength and size, he was able to kind of have his way with the offensive linemen. But another guy that I think we need to start talking about more, you guys, is the, the starting defensive end opposite DeMarcus Walker, which is Rasheem Green. Number 94 has been consistently out there uh, with the starting unit and, you know, there's a rep where he got Braxton Jones, who's still trying to work on his hands, you guys. And he was really vocal about trying to get the right hand placement, but there's a rep where he won there. You started to see I started to finally see Travis Gibson flashing, which is which is good to see. And it happened to be against Darnell Wright, who, you know, the inside move for Darnell Wright, something that he has to defend or blocking against the inside move is something that he needs to, to work on. Cause Terrell Lewis, uh, a guy that since I since OTAs has been giving Darnell Wright some issues. Um, but I think for the most part, like we're starting to see more of what the defensive line is capable of. And then on the opposite end, uh, Mason for the offensive line, you know, it's for Braxton Jones. He, his anchor is better. I'll say that his anchor is better because there have been times where DeMarcus Walker's straight up tried to just do the bull rush and he's been able to sit down kind of mitigate what, you know, what Walker's trying to do. And that's great. But it is that hand placement where there's been a couple times where Walker, again, they've gone up a bunch of times where he's kind of just tossed Braxton Jones. And that's I asked him about that in his press conference, and he said, yeah, my hand placement is just not where it needs to be right now. So I want to see how that that improves. I think Tevin Jenkins has had a pretty good camp so far. Obviously, on Wednesday he did leave due to injury, and then he had to see Alex Leatherwood in there, which is you know never the best. Cody Whitehair. There's been a couple of missed snaps from him and Lucas Patrick, which is perfect, right? You, you know, getting the, the bot snaps. Darnell Wright, I think when he does square up, you see the athleticism, the power, and just why the Bears took him with the number 10 overall pick. But like I said, the inside move right now is what these veteran defensive linemen are going to to try to get by him. So I want to see how he can kind of get better with that. And, and Nate Davis – like we don't even know what Nate Davis is really dealing with right now because Ibra is not giving he, us any indication and he wasn't and there yesterday. He's not even at yesterday. Dallas Hall, is he? 
he I don't know if he if he's at House Hall. He's definitely not out on the practice field, not on the sidelines, nowhere to be found. Yeah, I just I wonder if he's got something personal going on. To which I hope if there that is the case that everything's okay. Obviously, it's just it's so bizarre because this is a guy he also has had you know top time missed with injuries in his career. It's not mm-hmm. like he's someone who's just like plug and play. You know, he's going to play all 17. That's it. Well, not just that it stinks. Cause you look back, you know, he wasn't at, you know, some of the other stuff this off season, right. He chose not to go and you brush it off as whatever. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You step back even further and you hear little whispers about his time in Tennessee that, you know, he, you know, was there a work ethic issue that Mike Rabel didn't like him all that much, like little things like that. It just stinks when you have, these multiple things stacked like this, especially when you don't know. Like if he was out there on the sideline just with an injury, you could get away with that. But this question mark is is tough to deal with right now. It is, and like like you said, Mason, it would be it would be a lot better if he was just on the sideline. But we just don't have any indication what he's dealing with, where he's at, or what's going on with Nick Davis. Um, and so you have to see Lucas Patrick playing a lot of right guard right now. And I think he's been fine there at the position, versatile depth offensive lineman. But, you know, they, they paid Nate Davis pretty good money to be that starting right guard and moved Tevin Jenkins to the opposite side because of that acquisition. So um, hopefully that gets figured out here soon. And, you know, the Bears will be back on the practice field tomorrow. And we'll see if uh, Nate Davis also returns. Nick, I know you got to get out of here soon. Um, I, I know I got one more question then have Danny if he has another one. Uh, Cornelius Scholes wants to know about that O-line depth, right? You look at Tevin Jenkins being hurt, Nate Davis, question mark. You got some – you don't know with, with Darnell Wright, Braxton Jones. Hopefully they're, they're going to be there. How is, like, that second unit overall looking? Yeah, the second unit, uh, like, you have your tackles and Kellen Deesh, and then you have Larry Borum, and then usually you would have a Lucas Patrick running with the second team when, you know, Nate Davis is there. And Alex Leatherwood, I think – for the most part, even when he got in with the ones yesterday or um, on Wednesday, today's Thursday, why do I keep saying it like it's not yesterday? Um, when he was there, he looked fine out there. And I think, you know, he's this the guy that's moving around a bunch and does provide some versatility. He's played, I think Luke Getzi said he's played everything but center right now for Alex Leatherwood. So there are s- certain pieces, but you don't, one more injury, you guys. The Bears would be in, you know, deep trouble, as, as most teams probably would be if you lost what? three stars on the offensive line, but I think they, they have some, some veterans in place. You don't want to see anything happen to any of the tackles. So that's, that's for damn sure. You don't want to see anything happen to the Raxton Jones, darn all right, because uh, no offense to, to Larry Borum or, or Kellen Deesh, but it's, uh, it wouldn't be pretty if they were out there with the first team. No, I'm going to give total offense to Larry Borum. <laughs> take it all you want, Larry. Jerk. <laughs> Uh, Danny, do you have a last question for Nick before he runs out of here? Um, the last two things I was kind of give you a quick two-parter. Um, one is is the Demarcus Walker like feeling palpable like within the D line? Like apparently he's like brought this mentality from Tennessee with him, like this tough guy. Like I don't care what your talent level is, let's go. Like bring it every rep. Yeah, uh, Demarcus Walker is exactly like that, Danny. Um, he he's throwing f bombs out there. He's flicking That's people cool. off. Like this dude is, he's gonna be Bears fans are gonna love Demarcus Walker. Okay, he's like I think he also brings the energy up among what is I think relatively probably a quiet defense. I think him and Justin Jones are a good combination for each other. Like Justin could be vocal too, Justin Jones, but Demarcus Walker, you, you hear Demarcus Walker every single rep. He's chirping. He's letting you know about it. 
And like I said, if you're at camp, you might, you're probably going to hear an F-bomb one or two from a Demarcus Walker, but he's been a good addition to that defensive line. Good. And then the other one I was going to ask about is, I know we've heard the issue with the dropsies from Tyler, from Tyler Scott. Um, I just want to know, like, is the separation as real as I kind of guessed it would be coming out? Because he made college players look unbelievably slow with his get off and his ability to get into his route. Obviously, his route running itself needs work, but does he make professionals look slow? He does, um, and I love what he's doing right now. And, yes, the drops, obviously. I think he'll clean those up. But there was – okay, one-on-one's not the best indication for, you know, really no, evaluating no. stuff. But the way he put Jalen Johnson on his ass, you guys, it was it was something crazy. John Hoke, the, the uh, cornerbacks coach and passing game coordinator, was on our sideline. And that rep was on the opposite uh, side of the field. And Tyler Scott, you know, sets up Jalen Johnson, runs an in-breaking slant route. And Jalen Johnson's foot is extended. And he's just – he's stayed in his tracks there. And John Hoke just looks at him. And he's like, your back leg was, down, you know, out. That's why you're ended up on the ground and Tyler Scott's going for a touchdown. But there have been multiple times where he's just getting by guys. And it's these vertical routes where – He's just one winning off the line of scrimmage. And that speed, it is different. Even if you just watch him on kick return, kickoff return drills, his acceleration zero to 10 yep. is, it is different when watching like Aaron Crookshank's a fast guy. And there's a lot of Bayless Jones Jr.'s fast. It's, it's like, it's fun to watch. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Tyler Scott yep. can do. And like he has press conference a couple of days ago, really, really mature on how he looks at the game, what he thinks he needs to focus on. And basically said, if I understand where he needs to line up, the formations, the concepts, things like that, I'll just play fast. And I completely agree with that. Once Tyler Scott gets that, I think, you know, he's going to be, he, I hope we see Justin Fields, you know, just throw it deep to Tyler Scott because that speed and those explosive plays, he can easily generate those. I think. And something like, I know it might be the minutia of the game in no sense, but just his very presence, even if he drops an open one or he blows the top off of one where Justin checks down to Robert Tanyan or whatever the scenario might be, that all it takes is that getting on film a hit mm-hmm. one, two, three, four times. And that his him just being out there is then accounted for. Like, yep. Oh shit. He, he's out. Like, guys, you can't let that dude get behind you. No like, doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Like it's uh that's, that's a real thing. And, you know, I liked his mindset too. He was talking about like, even on run reps where it's a, just a straight run play, he's seeing out how the DB is going to react to him when he's doing certain releases and things like that. So it's, it's all just gathering Intel. So when the play does go his way, mm-hmm. he knows exactly how the DB was playing it on the run fit or the run play. And so that he can use whatever, you know, it release, whatever it may be to, to, you know, beat the DB when his, his number is called. So savviness from, from the rookie wide receiver. So really excited about what he can do. And the guy who is new to the position, he switched over from running back not too long yeah. ago. So he's still learning the intricacies of it. Absolutely. Well, Nick, I want to thank you so much for popping on and dealing with yeah, uh, thanks, you know, my, my Velociraptor tornado, whatever <laughs> audio that shenanigans was. <laughs> And then, you know, being the host for all of, you know, 20 seconds as well and <laughs> carrying that along. So um, I can't wait. Yeah, you got nothing besides maybe a high five. And I got a T-shirt if you want a T-shirt. I'll, I'll have to give you one of those. Oh, yeah, I could definitely rock I, a T-shirt. I, I saw you rocking it at camp. 
I won't hit a home run against CHGO in the 16 inch league. <laughs> oh man. Oh, hey, Mason, this is still messed up. I don't know if you could see this, but this is uh, seven weeks in. Yeah. And I'm I'm getting, I don't know, man. It's become a thing where I just don't know what to do. I like I can make a fist and everything, but it's still when when the pinky not, I don't know. But yes, please don't don't hit any home runs. That would mean I would have to try to attempt to go catch the ball. And no, yes, no. uh the last game. The last game, they caught the the final out with my chest because I'm like, uh oh, it's my pinky. I don't know if it's gonna hold up, but maybe I'm giving you too much. No, you just you, right you, you do the uh, judge machine catch off. First yeah, punt return and kick return. <laughs> well, that's that was that was my problem too. I think so. The, what how the finger? It was a high. Uh, I was playing center field and I was tracking it like I would a football, but I don't know if I didn't connect my pinkies or whatever. Caught it and it just took my pinky with it. And it just was facing the wrong direction. I don't know what I did wrong, but yeah, gotta yeah. gotta love sixteen inch softball. If only you knew someone that could work on a finger. Uh, I think I made it's the host that's uh, right here. <laughs> My yeah, advice is just chop it off. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> hey, Ronnie, be done with it. How much do you love the game? Uh, and yeah, on that no, note, on that note, before Dan tells you to dismember yourself anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right nick again thank you so much i really appreciate you know since you're there at the practice seeing this firsthand this uh this stuff's awesome so i really appreciate it appreciate you guys for having me on we'll have to do it again okay. sometime and Dan, i think i'm gonna keep the pinky sorry to <laughs> sorry to break it to you but keep the pinky no fun pinky I know, is I know. Staying. all right have a good one man all right you guys Awesome. It's always great to be able to have Nick pop on, whether it's just because of, you know, what we were able to do with Chicago Audible. But, I mean, he's doing some great things now with CHGO. Make sure you go check him out on, you know, what he's doing on Twitter. Uh, he puts out every time, uh, every day, he's putting out a little article that with what he sees in camp. It's a great breakdown, very specific of uh, what plays are happening, 7 on 7, 11 on 11. So you got to go check out what Nick is doing there. Uh, before we get to the rest of our show, we do have to do a quick ad read here for, of course, My Mighty Meals. Owner and founder Chris Davia puts the personal touch to healthy eating. The most meal prep services are missing. I have been using his services for almost three years now and haven't looked back. My Mighty Meals are cooked fresh and delivered directly to your home or work weekly in the Chicagoland area. They taste great the day you get them as well as the final day of your week as you anticipate your next delivery. Each meal is macro friendly and makes it incredibly easy to track. You can choose from standard meals that are under 500 calories or heftier ones that are between 500 and 750 calories. The meals rotate each week, so I personally never get bored. Examples include beef and quinoa chili, buffalo turkey mac, shrimp taco bowl, and maple glazed chicken with sweet potatoes. Need something specific or have dietary restrictions? You can customize your order for just a little bit more. And one of my favorite parts is that there isn't a subscription. You know, you don't get stuck with meals you don't need. You can get one to two meals a week. You can get 14 meals a week. You can skip a month. It's pretty awesome. So you can find him at, on Instagram at MyMightyMills. Make sure use the code GRIDIRON25 for 25% off your first order at MyMightyMills.com. If you haven't done it yet, just go ahead and do it. Honestly, you're not going to be disappointed. It, it takes a hassle out. It tastes great. Worst case scenario, you try it for a week. Go ahead. MyMightyMills.com. So, Danny, how do you follow Mike Sando's QB tier list? I do. So, I, I'll be honest. I've been in a hazardous materials class of late. I haven't had the chance to check it out. I believe I did ooh. see it come across the time that Justin Fields was 21. Correct. Oh my, your memory is pretty good for not having read it. That's awesome. Yeah. 
And so for those who have, <laughs> so, so those who don't uh, read it, it's uh, he Mike Sando every year takes about 50 league insiders and they take the 30 veteran quarterbacks and puts them into tiers. Uh, that includes eight general managers, 10 head coaches, 15 coordinators, 10 executives, four quarterbacks, coaches, and three that are involved in coaching analytics. Uh, that changes every year. Um, but as Danny said, Justin ended up at 21. So basically, the these 50 individuals rank them, right, all the way into the, put them into these tiers. They take the average of those rankings, and that churns out what you end up getting. Uh, go ahead and check it out on the Athletic if you want some more specifics. But we're going to talk a little bit about, about Justin where he fell. Uh, he was actually in tier four last year. So to give some context, a tier four quarterback is one that's an unproven player. You basically don't have enough information or a veteran who ideally would not start all 17 games, just comes in as a pinch hitter. Tier three is a legitimate starter, but needs a heavier run game or defensive component to win. Lower volume drop back passing offense suits him best. Tier two is a quarterback that can carry a team, but has holes in their game. Uh, basically, there's they're not special quite enough to elevate them to tier one, but there's a couple things here and there that really set them apart. And lastly, tier one quarterback, they carry their teams each week. The team wins because of him. You're Patrick Mahomes of the world, uh, things of that nature. So when you look at Justin specifically, Danny, I have it pulled up right here. Uh, he actually had five people put him as a tier two quarterback, 34 put him as a tier three quarterback, and 11 put him as a tier four quarterback. When you hear those numbers, what do you think? That the jury is still out, that no one really knows what to think, how much of uh, what happened last year was just simply – trial by fire and just if he dies he dies almost to quote Ivan Drago and in, in Rocky Four. They we all know they did not want to run Justin the way they did last year. We all know that Justin never ran like that in his career dating back to high school or college. I think it's more just a what do you think his development arc is? What do you think he do you think he can finally start making his layups, making his intermediate throws and not just relying on his deep ball to get him out? of bad situations when he can't run. And I don't know the, I don't know how to like quantify it because everything that we are seeing from like the advanced analytics community is saying that he is not going to be good. But the same thing said that about Jalen Hurts and said that about Josh Allen. And I just, I don't think that this this second year quarterback jump is a thing anymore. At least it shouldn't be thought of as that way, especially not when you're talking about a team that literally had whatever good parts it had left stripped from it leading into the year and an offensive philosophy change and a head coaching change and another offensive philosophy change within the season. Like there was so much going on and this, this kid still managed to, get his EPA per play up, lead the league in scoring for a month stretch there or four or five weeks, whatever it ended up being. I don't know what or how good Justin is going to be. I think I know for certain that he doesn't suck. And I don't think he – I, and you and I, Mason, tend to agree on this, but you also know I'm very much about the makeup of a human being. I don't think Justin is going to allow himself to suck. Like he, he's just wired a very special way. It's the same reason like when the rest of the world, when Jalen Hurts was coming out of Oklahoma four years ago, I was like, 
he may end up being like a situational weird player, like a Taysom Hill or something like that. But I just don't think that kid is going to allow himself to suck in the NFL. I just don't see a scenario in which that happens. And lo and behold, for 35 seconds, he was the highest paid player in NFL history. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you're right. So everything you just said there, 100% valid. And I think people need to keep in mind also what some of these what some of these people, some of these GMs, some of these coaches, how they're answering this question. You know, if you ask the question, who, who do you want over the next five years? I don't think some of these people are going to be putting Jimmy Garoppolo, who's ranked ahead of Justin, Tua Tango Bailoa, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff. I don't know that you're necessarily truly going to like rank them ahead. However, as they sit right now, based on the information you have, if you needed to go out and win a game right now, I can see, yeah, you might trust a Jimmy Grapple to go win you a game right now just because. Or at least not lose the game. Right, just because of the context of what you have, like, in front of you. Now, keep that being said, there are still also at least five people that had him as a Tier 2 quarterback, right? That quarterback that can carry your team sometimes. He still has a lot to prove in the passing game. We say this over and over again. But one of the quotes from uh, an offensive coordinator that ranked him was that as a runner, he's a one. As a player, he's inconsistent but it would not shock me if next year we're having this conversation and he's a high two. So when you talk about even that, like a high two, you're talking about players that are like the, let's see, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott's of the world. If that happened next year and we're having this conversation and he's in the top five of that tier two, that's a top 10 quarterback that you're talking about. And that's a guy you're paying. A lot of money. A lot of money. Uh, but that's what we have for today. A uh, little breakdown on training camp, little QB tier talk. Uh, again, thanks everyone for bearing with me for whatever the heck that was. I got to figure out. I don't even know what happened with that whole sound thing. But uh, uh, final stream from the top turnbuckle was what that was. No, that's going to be what happens we, after week one when uh, the Bears just smashed the, the Packers. Oh, by the way, one thing I did want to share. I meant to do this with Nick, but oh well, CLV. So Rob Domofsky. Uh, said this of Packers QB Jordan Love today. We've seen Jordan Love have one really good day. He's had one sort of decent day. And the rest, well, you walk off the practice field thinking that this might be a really, really long year. That is music to my ears. So as a fan, it is. And it's one of those things, like as an armchair evaluator of talent, I didn't particularly like Jordan Love coming out of Utah State. Like, but you never want to see these kids crash and burn. Now, oh, I will yeah. tell you, I will tell you, if you had told me that Jordan Love was going to be the Packers' first round pick that year, I was, I would have told you I would have laughed because I didn't think he was anything worth more than maybe a late second, early third because of how badly he regressed after his offensive weapons that went to the NFL, like Dax, uh, Dax Raymond and Darwin Thompson, I believe was the running back there who got drafted by Kansas city, but that's neither here nor there. It's just, you could have looked at it and known. like, could he still be good? Sure. But this feels like, especially when you start reading into Packers X, I guess now I, it's not Packers Twitter anymore, Packers Reddit, whatever it is. There's a level of coping that is going into it. Like, well, what if this, that, the other, it's like, it feels like, the coping that was after week one in 2019 when Mitch just clearly showed he couldn't do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like the, there was the wind that just got sucked out of the sails or the, the hot air was let out of the balloon, so to speak. And you're just like, Oh shit. 
what are we going to do? Like, they, the Packers are in a, they're in a good spot, though. If I was a Packers fan, I, w- I would cope by saying, okay, you know, let's see what, how this year goes. If Jordan Love's not the guy, our team's not going to be good. And they're, but we have young players around, so let's go get a quarterback and our young players can grow. So, I mean, at least they're in that position. It's not like they have an old, super expensive team. I mean, you say that, but they're they're not young and they are expensive. But they're not expensive in like if what what where do you think of Christian Watson? Like, do you think he's going to be a guy that's so? I know or do you this... think he has a chance to have a decent ceiling. I think Christian Watson is going to be a good NFL wide receiver, which is a far cry from what I thought he was going to be coming out of North Dakota State. Yeah, but I'm also thinking of they got to pay Rashawn Gary. They're going to have to pay Eric Stokes. You're going to have to pay or extend uh, the nose tackle, who I love, Kenny. Um, oh, I'm drowning. Thing has last name, but like, there's there's money already being spent, right? And you're paying Aaron Jones. There is pay. Yeah. Like, there's already guys being paid. Now that is going to be unburdened when the the left tackle, who Bakhtiari, he is going to be off the book. So I guess that's 20 million opened up or whatever he, his cap it might be. But I just don't, I, I can't see a scenario in which like love makes it worth their while. almost. Like, can you, like, can you get to a place in your thought process of knowing what we've seen already of him and what we've heard coming out of Packers camp for this is what his fourth NFL season. No, that's that's not my point. I mean, I that's my point is more. I don't give a fuck about love. To be completely honest, I think oh, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, he's a placeholder that they clearly don't give care about. Hence, why they gave him this extension that was a we we did we have to do this, but we don't believe in you. So here's this. I'm more saying if love sucks, which I expect him to. Honestly, I don't expect him to be good. I expect him to not be. To they were going to be a. If you told me the Packers had one win three games next year. I would be like, oh, I believe you. If you told me they win eight games, I would also less so, but I would be like, I can see it because that's how the Packers' lives are. But with that being said, if they win three games, they win four games, and now they're drafting, no, they're not going to get a Caleb Williams. I don't think they're bad enough for that. You have a teams like the Raiders, you have teams like the Cardinals. I think they're they're worse and they're going to be closer. But now all of a sudden you're looking at a Drake May, you're looking at um, uh, Shadur, um, what's – what's uh, Prime time. There's J- there's also JJ McCarthy. There's JJ Daniels. McCarthy. Thank you. There's J- yes. ne- next year is actually a decent QB class as it currently sits. So, uh, there's Michael Penix or Penix Penix. I think is his name from Washington. If you like Michael him, Pen- Michael Penix. Yeah, Michael Penix. <laughs> and then yeah, uh, prime time son Shadur. He's another guy who's like kind of that six seven uh, range of QBs. Long story short, I can also see if you're the Green Bay front office, you're with what you do have. You know, with a Jair Alexander, you have a Yash Nyman, who I do like. You have, you know, your line's fine. Your defense is underperforming, but, like, you have good players. I think they need a new defensive coordinator. I don't know why they kept Barry. Um, that, Barry that's the part that, that that is blowing my mind. They have legitimately a really talented defense. Joe Barry, everywhere he goes, touches the defense, and it gets set on fire and burnt to the ground because <laughs> apparently he forgets that he's a defensive coordinator. Like and just 
is throwing monkey darts at balloons and just calling plays. Like there's no, it, it feels like there's no rhyme or reason for what he's doing on defense. It makes no sense. I don't get it. But if so, here like we said we were gonna be done like ten minutes ago, and then we got a Packers train now. But like now we have to finish this. If you took what's a good example like let's say you did the same throughout and you had a Derek Carr s quarterback on the Packers how what are they getting in the division what place and are they making the playoffs how about how many wins does that team get um considering I think Derek Carr is better than Jared Goff I bet you they win the division that that's my point though like if you're the Packers front office and you think love is booty cheeks you have two paths you either can get a young quarterback that you try to develop and see what happens or you go out and you try to get a veteran and you say, we just want to win the division. Like they're not in a bad place. No, honestly, the worst place they could be in, in all reality is him performing the way Daniel Jones did last year. Oh, hundred percent. That's the worst case scenario. That is the, like, and as a bears fan, truth be told, that's what you should be rooting for. You want him to be competent, and that is about you it. You want him to be good enough where you can't justify him leaving. That And it's such a weird predicament as a fan. You're like, oh, well, he's good, but I'm not afraid of him. Like, it, I don't know how to say this without upsetting Cowboys fans. Oh, fuck them. I don't like Cowboys fans. Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins are, for me at this moment in time, are kind of like the, the Spider-Man meme. They're just pointing at each other like, ha! Um... And I don't think either of those teams are ever going to win because that's your quarterback. I get what you're saying. I'm slightly higher in Dak than I think you are, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think Dak is good. I think Kirk Cousins is really damn good. I just think that they're limited. Like, and I and I think partially it's because my my mindset and the way I think about offensive football has changed, and that you need somebody who, when shit hits the fan, can just say "eff it" and go. And neither of those guys really have that ability. Like, I know earlier in his career, Dak did run. It wasn't often, but he did it. But with a ankle from Mars now, I don't know how often he is actually going to want to do that. Yeah, I know the Athletic Football Show did a pretty good coverage on this where it's like, what do you need to do to like essentially win a Super Bowl when you don't have one of the aliens? Like you don't have a Mahomes, a Burrow, an Allen. Um, I don't know where you put Hurts right now. I like Hurts. I still just think like when you had so the talent he had around him, I can't make a true judge. And that's, and that's hard to, to, to decipher. What? How much was him and how much was the talent around him? Right. But if you don't have one of those guys, how do you win? And they basically settle on, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's a good podcast, go listen to it. Um, basically, it was like the quarterback has to go on a heater, you know, the Joe Flacco heater. That is, and you have to be surrounded by a defense, and that's awesome. And you need a pass rusher that's going to get you like 10 sacks, essentially, across the, uh, eight to 10 sacks across the postseason. And then you can Oh, not, have, not sacks. It was, it was 20 pressures across the Pressures. Postseason. Thank you. Pressures. And if you have those things, you can, again, be the Joe Flacco-led team. You could, in theory, be the, I would say, the Dak Prescott-led team. But, like, unless you have that, you need the alien. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl on a broke, on a messed-up ankle for surrounded by guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney. Like, 
but they traded away Tyreek Hill. Everybody said that they were going to have an off year. They were doing a little reset. They still won the damn Super Bowl. Like, so you better be able to come at them with some crazy stuff in order to beat a team like that. And no, Cornelius, you are not the only one who thinks the Cowboys skill players are overrated. Here's the, okay, we're going on a whole tangent, but I have to ask you this. What is CeeDee Lamb going to get paid? Does he get, I mean, like, he's not, what, what is going on there? So I don't, but the Cowboys don't have money. <laughs> do you let CeeDee Lamb walk? Or do you trade him? Do you get what he's worth? I don't know what he's worth because you got to pay him. So does that bring him down to what, a pair of twos? Yeah, I mean, it's not the it's not the Devontae deal, that's for sure. It's not the Tyree Kill deal. Well, he's not in that same class for. I okay. Let me. I really like Ceedee Lamb. I like big physical wide receivers. That's what he is. He's a ball winning big physical wide receiver. Where is he in the wide receiver tiers though? Oh I, man, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of good wide receivers. Like, we, it's amazing how good Devontae Adams was last year, and just we don't talk about it because he's on a crappy team. Yeah, he was just buried in, you know, with the Raiders. So I'm, yeah. trying to th- oh, I'm trying to think here. So, okay, Justin Jefferson's coming up for a deal. Uh, his deal should start with – the conversation starts at $32 million a year, right, arguably? Yeah, at the very, at the very least, you're saying his, his average annual salary starts with a three. So you got – Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Alan Ra, Chris Godwin, Devontae. Those were your leaders in receptions last year. Yeah, but receptions, I feel like it's such a – volume doesn't always equate to being the best, right? Like, I mean, someone's got to catch the ball, essentially. Right. Like, no shade at Darnell Mooney, but Darnell Mooney was a 1,000-yard wide receiver, and I kind of don't care. Just at more context, so CD also had 1,359 yards, which was good mm-hmm. for three, four, five, six. But again, if you can say volume, he had, let's see here, he had nine touchdowns, which was good for three, four, five, six, seven, ninth. I think it stinks for the Cowboys, but I think he's just good enough to now kind of force your hand into either getting paid more than he probably should or so, getting traded okay. for less than if, he should. Let's say his realm is 22 to 23 a year. I don't if I'm CD or if I'm representation, I don't know if that I'm taking that. I'm saying I'm put me on the tag or trade me if you're gonna offer me 23. Like I'm saying that's where it starts though. Oh, you're saying like the bottom edge? Yeah, that's the that's the bottom. Say 23 is his bottom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would pay him to I mean, if I were I pay him 23 if I'm the Cowboys, if and then I can afford it. Right. Because we're also talking about what's Darnell Mooney's floor right now? 15? Yeah. All right, I'm right around there. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, let's put it this way. I don't envy the Cowboys because they put themselves in a very precarious situation with the fact that they also got to pay the best, who is the best defender in football right now. Oh, God, yeah. And that defense is what's really keeping you relevant. And Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn has evolved as a play caller. He has. And the other layer to it is kind of what the Bears are kind of in right now, where that division is bleh, right? I mean, you're the, the, the commanders, who should change their name soon probably, um, are really not going to be relevant anytime soon, soon. Some people are high on him, though. I don't get why. 
Uh, the Giants, they have a ceiling, and that ceiling's name is Daniel Jones. <laughs> and it's just so as long as you're in that division, you always have a chance. And so now you're going to keep making financial well, decisions. I mean, the Eagles exist. Yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, but I also we just talked about this. I truly wonder what's going to happen with that team. Talk about a team that has to get paid. I mean, they the Eagles are getting older and have to. Keep so are you on the on the train of that we're going to see regression from Hertz and that last year might have been the best I'll ever do? If you put like a gun to my head and like asked and like I had to pick one way or the other, I would say yes, there's going to be regression. Whether you say, okay. I mean, they lost both coordinators, which is huge, and. I mean, they, they're not losing anyone on offense. It, don't but, worry. Jonathan Gannon is going to be back next year after his one and done in Arizona. <laughs> Honestly, entirely possible. Um, I mean, in the defense, they lost like five starters. I mean, I know we're talking offense versus defense, but as a team now, that's going to hurt you. I don't care what you say. I No, Mason, I'm agreeing. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I just – I think there's going to be a regression. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much the regression is going to – I just – I think the world of Jalen Hurts, so I'm not probably the most unbiased person to ask. I'm trying to okay. They also they they pre, they leaned pretty heavily on that run game. Are we really confident that DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, and Rashad Penny are going to be enough to keep Hurts in the the happy zone? Uh, that depends. Miles Sanders is really good, but they didn't really lean on him in the playoff run at all. It was kind no. of show. I, I see. I really like DeAndre Swift. I think he's a really good modern NFL running back. The Lions gave him away, but he's also it's a, he's also hurt. And needs money, Mason. So why is that better for the Eagles? If he's hurt in, in Detroit, he's gonna be hurt in Philly. <laughs> I'm not saying that's gonna change. I get what the Eagles' thought process was. Is all I'm saying. I just same thing with with Hurts in a way with someone like Swift. I'm gonna. I don't know that I can bank on. Okay, I'm now saying that being having a Philly zip code, all of a sudden Swift is healthier. I so that's just another reason why I'm not ready to anoint and just be like, all right, Eagles are going to do it again. They're the perennial NFC, you know, representative in the Super Bowl. Like that. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm going back to this. That's why this all started. I could talk myself into we. This is still our time. Okay, so before we get out of here, Mason, there's one thing I kind of want to address and we need to nip in the butt right now. Let's do it. The Bears are not trading for Jonathan Taylor, okay? Oh, my I, God, why I, is it even coming up? Yeah. So I am the running backs need to get paid guy. There's there's clearly a market inefficiency here that these guys aren't being treated right. Things are not in their favor right now, yada, yada, yada. I'm in that camp. That being said... While in theory, the idea of Jonathan Taylor is fantastic. Let's bring it back to reality. Mm -hmm. He was nicked up last year, to say the least. He had 300-plus touches two years ago. He is not talent that Saquon Barkley is when you and I were on the same exact show saying how we would pay Saquon Barkley if we were Bears management should he hit the market, right? He is not that same talent. We then need to factor in. You need to pay him. You need to trade at bare minimum. What, like a third round pick to probably get him out of Indianapolis? Oh, at least. Um, and then they paid Deontay Foreman. They have Khalil Herbert, and they just drafted Roshan Johnson. In what damn world 
does trading for Jonathan Taylor and then paying him really make any sense? Even though I'm, I, I get the the surface level logic of it. Is he better than all three of them? Yes, markedly so. Do I kind of care? Not really. Not not even a little bit, honestly. I want Jonathan Taylor to get paid. I think he's earned that that badge in the NFL to get his money. I yeah. don't think that fit is with the Chicago Bears. Agreed. For everything you just said, he also, I mean, the Bears aren't one better running back away from contention. The run game's already solid. I mean, it was fine even with Dave Montgomery, who arguably was a negative runner when you look at some of the advanced stats. Everything you said, it needs to stop. It's lazy national media saying Bears like to run the ball. Boom, let's put Jonathan Taylor there. It's not going to happen. Stop it. And you're also forgetting this point here that Khalil Herbert was what legitimately when just stick ball and gut run forward was one of the most efficient 10 running backs in the NFL last year. That's not mm-hmm. me saying it. That is a metric saying that. And he might be your third string running back. Think about that. Deontay Foreman was a fantastic running back last year once he got a hold of the starting reins in Carolina. Roshan Johnson is probably going to be, for lack of a better term, your bell cow because of all the things he can do. He can catch the ball. He can block. He can take the rock. And he can line up in the slot or play fullback if need be. There's many things he can do. Why the hell would they go spend draft capital and give $14 million a year to Jonathan Taylor? I can't can't get my thought process around that when – you just put one of the 10 most efficient running backs in the league last year as probably your third back in the stable. Combination of just lazy national media, and I'm not going to lie, I meatball Bears fans. It's not going to happen, shouldn't happen. It's silly. Um, but like you said, we should get out of here. Um, appreciate everyone sticking with us through my weird stuff, but also through this whole conversation. I know Danny and I just went on and talked about like five, six different teams on a, on a 20 minute rant, but you know, that's why you love us, right? The people know what they're getting into when they tune in. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's all we got tonight. Um, if you are really feeling a need for football, go watch the Browns and the Jets play in a game where it's going to be mainly Zach Wilson Kellen Mond and Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, leading the way. So, you know, hey, that's true. DTR train, baby. Let's go. Yeah, he is going to be a great backup for a while. It's, it's going to be great. <laughs> uh, but that's all. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Toodaloo.